Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy Boyd. I'm Alex. All right. Just Alex. That's just all, Alex. That's all you need to know. I'm like Kobe and Shaq. I go on a one-name basis. <laughs> like Cher, uh, Prince. Bono. Bono. Man, that guy's a knob. <laughs> Tool, I think is the word. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm good, It's good man. to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah. I always, uh, always feel like these are uh, a too brief hangout session yeah you know it's like we're just shooting the breeze but other people get to listen in yeah hopefully with a little more thought put into it than that but um yeah so welcome back to the dominion podcast season three now Mm -hmm. do you remember when we started this yeah in the basement remember the the, did you get the picture i sent you you sent the picture of you and i with the two mics humble beginnings humble beginnings and humble continuances really yeah we're we're two (laughs) super humble guys I am the most humble. <laughs> Never met anyone as humble as me. <laughs> when was that though? When did when did we start? Was it um, the winter of twenty twenty one? Or I think it was. I think it was the winter of twenty twenty one. Right, or maybe the fall before, because I I feel like when the big lockdowns came in around Easter time, we were kind of already well into it. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, because you always told people we were meeting in the bunker beneath City Hall. That's right. Oh, to, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, to disguise line. the fact that we were meeting together. <laughs> <laughs> the secret underground bunker beneath the police station. <laughs> Came the, close to going there, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, you did. By the way, I hope you never had to pay any of those tickets. No, I didn't. Okay, that's awesome. Praise God. Yeah. Thanks to thanks to my lawyer. He's That's the man. right. <laughs> he shall not be named. We don't want to give away those secrets. Anyway, great to be back in the Upper 40 studio. One of our sponsors is uh, the Folklorist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tristan was just telling me he's got a couple tracks. He's almost finished. So uh, new ones. So looking forward to hearing those. Mm-hmm. I must confess, I have yet to go listen to his latest. Mm. So I need to go do that on YouTube. Check him out, the folklorist. Always uh, glad to be in this wonderful space. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes it look easy. We just show up and there's guns on the wall and a banjo and we just turn the camera on and start going. But uh, Tristan makes it happen. So anyway, great to be here. And of course, Kawartha Classical Christian School. Uh, we've got a fundraiser tonight. Doesn't matter. By the time you hear this, the fundraiser will be over. But uh, hopefully you will have enjoyed some of the baked goods and the uh, Essential Church movie, which we're screening at Westmount Bible Chapel. Mm-hmm. All the proceeds of that going to KCCS. So. Some of the Canadian brothers in that one. I hope so. There Tim's, better be. Tim Stevens, James Coates. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of the American guys ever, ever had to go to jail. But maybe no. maybe some got arrested. But uh, No, I, well, maybe. I haven't heard of any. Yeah. Anyway, looking forward to uh, seeing that tonight and uh, eating some butter tarts maybe there you go we'll see but uh we are here for a more serious uh, discussion than that um it's been quite a week yeah and uh we we all woke up on saturday morning to some pretty crazy news of uh attacks in israel and stuff happening overseas uh, i of course have connections to uh to israel i lived there for a couple of years uh, in my late teens with my family and so we know a lot of people over there. So we were getting some 
firsthand uh, news from people. I was with my parents uh, over the weekend when when that happened. So oh wow. So yeah, I was getting a lot of stuff uh, firsthand from from over there, and I mean some pretty chilling accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you kind of want to get into the topic or or whatnot, but. Um, I guess I'll just hand yeah. It well, over. I think I think what we wanted to do is focus on um, maybe some biblical principles for thinking through uh, complicated situations mm-hmm. and situations that aren't complicated. I mean, one of the ways that we get around uh, doing what is right and we continue to do what is evil is we we obscure what mm-hmm. is good and what is wrong and evil, and we're seeing that. I think my burden when this came out. Um, obviously for the people who suffer, it's absolutely horrific. And um, <clears throat> to see those things online that took place and, and all the videos that I watched were actually from the Hamas terrorists, Yeah, they which were. tells you something about yeah. the level of depravity. Like even the Germans tried to hide their tracks with the Holocaust, yeah. right? These people, you know, literally kill grandmas on Facebook and post it to her page and, um so we on the one hand we're looking at some of the worst um the deepest depths of evil mm-hmm. that you can stoop to uh the slaughter of of innocence and the weak by the strong and glorifying in it but it was it's so we need to but I don't want to focus on necessarily the events as they happened. I want to talk about the response and the reaction to what happened and what that reveals about the chaos, the moral chaos that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. So in the Canadian context, what was um shocking was that there were multiple and in, in most major cities I heard on the news pro Hamas uh celebrations. Yeah. You can't even call them protests because there was no, I mean, they may have been protesting Israel. No, it was like a victory parade. Yeah, it was like a victory yeah. parade. And it's like, these people must have seen the videos that we saw because yeah. their team put them out. Yeah. And that anyone would actually publicly identify themselves with such sadistic monsters was shocking. But it was also shocking to see like uh, Fred Hahn, the leader of the the QP um, uh, union, the union, yeah. one of the biggest, if not the biggest, unions in Canada, coming out supporting um, Palestine, supposedly supporting Palestine, after seeing these events yeah. and multiple politicians, and um, you know the media even in a lot of ways refused. They try to, you know, treat it as if like a military versus military battle. It wasn't. They were like the CBC, there's a memo that was leaked and they refused to refer to Hamas as terrorists, right? So it's more, there's a crisis situation, but then there's, it's perpetuated by the fact that there is no moral clarity. Yeah. And I just wanted to discuss maybe from scripture some ways that we can gain moral clarity. Um because look, this week it was a thousand civilians being slaughtered by terrorists, gleefully, including women and children. Um, next week, what what's it going to be? You know, as as we wander further and further from Christ, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Like, you know, the Hamas leader just publicly said yesterday, the day before, he called for uh, you know more bloodshed tomorrow, yep. Friday the thirteenth. 
Um, who knows what's going to happen? Just I just heard that three kids in Toronto were arrested at a, a high school, I think it was, because of threats that they made related to Hamas. So, you know, there's going to be more conflict. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen um, during COVID very publicly, our leaders and even our church leaders often do not have the tools to deal with ethical issues. So... This is important because the Bible tells us to abhor what is evil and to love what is good. And um, that means you need to know what is evil. And not you, you, morality is not a parlor game where mm-hmm. we simply speculate that we are commanded to feel and respond appropriately to it. And the Son of God, um, in Hebrews 1.9, it says that he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Mm-hmm. And so we must like love requires us to hate wickedness. That's right. And love what is good. And therefore if we're going to be loving, we need to have firm in our minds but in our hearts what is good and what is wicked. Yeah. And when you see people out parading for a terrorist attack, it doesn't matter what their what they claim their grievance is. Those people are clearly depraved and as you read from Isaiah, their morality is inverted. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to see um, more and more of this. One of the first principles we have in Scripture, and this is so important to every conflict, whether it's a conflict with your spouse or whether it's a conflict with a friend or employer, is to examine yourself first. And the you know presupposition beneath Scripture is that or, in, or revealed in Scripture is that all of humanity has fallen short of the glory of God. And so one of the ways this works out practically is that we are all capable of sin. Paul says that nothing good dwells in the flesh. And even as the redeemed, um, we still have a flesh. You know, yes, mm-hmm. the old man's been crucified, um, but we need to put to death the works of the flesh. And they include every and all kind of evil. And uh, it's this humble um, awareness of your capacity or proclivity towards evil um, that actually helps you make right judgments. That's Mm. what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Judge not that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured unto you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not dig the log out that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. So this is not an, uh, 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 um, a prohibition against making moral judgments. No. It's a prohibition against making wrong moral judgments, and those wrong moral judgments are they're off because you don't look at your own problems. Yeah, you're considering other people's faults before your own. Yes. Yeah. And I would categorize a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight um, the distortion of ethics is tribal ethics. It's basically you're bad and I'm good. It's some form of this. Yeah. And this is this is kind of what's going on here. It's that you can't see the situation clearly because you're so focused on the other people and you're not aware of your own shortcomings. Maybe what you've contributed to the situation, but it could simply be a humble awareness of your own proclivities. And so you set things in place to avoid those ditches, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's the first thing. Beware of any posture that is in no way self-reflective. And um, 
you know, that's true in, in minor disputes, and that's true in this situation now with Israel. And uh, um, the other thing we see in Scripture is Proverbs 20.10, unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So using different standards for other people than we use for ourselves. Yeah. And I've just seen this over and over and over. One of the unique contributions of biblical law is that everyone is equal underneath it, and the same standard applies. And and you see this all over the law. The rich and the poor, do not show partiality even to the poor. It's like, look, if that poor guy steals something, he should be sentenced based on that because the person he stole from is of the same value as him. And don't judge differently because he's poor. Don't judge differently yeah. because he's poor. And uh, I, I suppose you could extrapolate, and extrapolate that and say, uh, don't judge differently because the person has been wronged in the past. Yeah. Right? Yes. And yeah. I'm not making any claim about the, the situation overseas right now because there's a whole lot of uh, mm-hmm. lies that are perpetuated about mm-hmm. it. But but uh, given given the principles of of the left or the Marxists or whatever, there, there's a different standard applied to those that they deem to be oppressed yeah. or within this certain class. Yeah. They're given uh, the right to react in certain ways because of how they've been treated. Yeah. And, and practically this means a war crime is a war crime is a war crime, whether yeah. it's committed by them or it's committed by us. Mm-hmm. And if we would consider the slaughter of civilians to be a war crime, then um, we need to abide by that same standard for ourselves. Yeah, you know, I th- I think carpet bomb um, Gaza is is not right, right? Yeah. And, and if you wouldn't, if that is not right for someone to do to you, don't do that to other people. This is the golden rule: do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we all have the proclivity to use a different standard for other people. And what we do is we judge them more harshly than we judge ourselves, and we give ourselves more credit than we give other people. So when something, there's a conflict, we assume that we have the best of motives, and we assume that they have the worst of motives. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an unequal weight and measure. You should make the same assumptions, that everyone is sinful, everyone has fallen, um, you should extend the same courtesy to others as you would expect them to extend to you kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, I mean, even like we could wrap right there, you know, like don't apply a different standard and could take the speck out of your, the log out of your own eye first. Yeah. If we all just actually did that, we would be like 90% of the way treating others as yeah. you'd be treated. To- and the, the, the beauty of that is that you don't actually have to know that much about the situation. No. And this is where it's, this is where it's disorienting for me because I do know a lot about that situation. Yeah. I spent time living there. I've read all sorts of books on the history of the conflict. And so uh, part of me sees the one side in, in a great error and wants to, um, I, my flesh wants to give leeway to the other side. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the beauty of this is, you don't really have to go read a history book. Mm-hmm. You can say, according to God's law, what you did is wrong, and what you did is also wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean because they're both wrong, there's a, a moral equivalence between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we don't we don't necessarily have to go that that route either. But I think that simplifies things. Yeah, apply the same standard. Yeah. You know, uh, the other thing is we need to reject. A tribal view of ethics, which is totally the antithesis to a biblical view of ethics, um, 
often often succumbs to a group view of both righteousness and condemnation. Mm -hmm. So people are either justified according to the group that they are identified with, or they are condemned based on the group that they are identified with. And we tend to draw those lines in a variety of ways. I mean, modern Marxist theory would do that economically, it would do that racially, Mm -hmm. it would do that sexually, and all of these under the grid of, you know, a scale of oppression, right? These types of things. Um, But we want to reject that and say that there's two groups in Scripture, ultimately. Um, One, everybody's human, and and there's implications to that. But if we're going to do group identity, there's either in Adam or in Christ. Mm -hmm. And in Adam, all die. So the group that we are condemned by virtue of being a part of is the human race who's descended from Adam. And we are guilty um, uh, in and through his sin. But conversely, we can be justified in and through the righteousness, the one act of obedience of the man Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is good news. So in a way, identity politics is a distortion of this, this group identity. And it's a wicked, wicked thing. Um, Well, I I guess what you're saying is group identity is inevitable. And if you don't have the correct biblical identity or categories... Yeah, if you don't draw the right lines. Yeah, the lines, according to the Bible, are in Adam and in Christ. Yes. Without this, you assign guilt to people based on other things, which Mm -hmm. ends becoming evil. So you're guilty because you're a Jew. You're guilty because you are, um, you know, because you're a man. You're guilty because you're upper class, like yeah. whatever this is. That we're seeing. Your father is this or whatever, yeah. your wrong side of the tracks, whatever it happens to Yes, be, yeah. yes, yes. And and that's just that's just wrong. Um now generalizations uh are not entirely wrong. Paul does say that I think it's Cretans are lazy beasts yeah. and gluttons. Well, their their poet says it, and he agrees with Yes, yeah. so their own people say this about them. And it is true that we can make generalizations about people. Like, mm-hmm. are there things that are generally true of different cultures? For sure. Yeah. And everyone acknowledges this. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about whether or not you can con- condemn someone based on those things. Yeah, I mean, saying most Italians talk with their hands is a yeah. generalization, but it's not a moral judgment. No, it's not saying that you you deserve to die because you're Italian. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as I said, Marxist theory tends to divide the world not between in Christ or in Adam, but between oppressed and oppressor. Yeah. And there's a variety of issues with this, but the Generally speaking, the oppress oppressor group is inherently guilty. Yeah, and the dan- like where this goes really bad is if they are inherently guilty, then as a matter of justice, they are justifiably condemned. Yeah, so you're a part of, uh, you know, this group of farmers in the in in Russia, you know, the middle class farmers. Yeah. Well, you're the source of our problems, and we need to get rid of you. You know, go rape his family and burn his house down kind of thing. Um, And the oppressed group, where this is doubly wicked, is inherently justified. So the oppressors are inherently evil and condemned, and the oppressed are inherently morally justified. In other words, they can do no wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this is where the the false you, all of these issues come into play. The false standard is applied. Like yep. they don't judge themselves by the same standard that they hold other. This makes it very clear when we're watching the news. Why? I mean, for for decades now, I've I've heard conservatives say, "Why why do liberals ally themselves with Islamists?" Yeah, like what is this connection? Why are they? like bedfellows. Yes. And this this kind of answers that question. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say it's funny, but it is shockingly foolish of leftists, I you know, um, trying to identify with Islamists. Yeah. It's like, hey man, you know how many rainbow flags they have over there in Sudan? Really? <laughs> no. Yeah. You know how many rainbow flags are in Gaza? What they do to women in Iran? They like, yeah. walk around and black garbage bags all day long. yeah it's, it's like you're you're not they're they're not on your team yeah but they but, are but, but that's they are. the thing is they are yes they share yeah. this um victim oppressor or oppressed and oppressor narrative yeah and this is why you can and you heard this at the celebrations in canada you heard people on the microphone basically justifying these attacks because they referred to israel as the occupiers mm-hmm. The The apartheid state. The apartheid state and the colonizers. Yeah. And so if you are part of that group, you are inherently evil, and therefore anything we do is justified. Never mind. These people went after mainly civilians. Um, I I don't know what the numbers are at now, but when I last saw them, it was like 1,000 people, and 80% of them or more were civilians. Like This wasn't a military against a military operation. Um, it's so, not intended to be. Yeah, but it's like, how can you justify this very easily? They're part of that group. That yeah. that kid, that baby in that crib, they're just part of that group. They're not dealt with on their own merits and as an in, as an image bearer of God with yeah. inherent. They're dealt with based on their association with this group and their participation and the group guilt that they have. And we will come in and and offer up God's justice to mm-hmm. them. And be justified in doing it. Yep. So I think this is a good visual of where this tribal ethics um, oppressor oppressed goes. Literally to the slaughter of babies is entirely morally justified Mm -hmm. based on their system of ethics. And Christians need to um, reject this outright. Yeah. The other problem with this is not only you're condemning people who are innocent, but you are actually justifying yourself when you're guilty. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a Pelagianism at work here that denies um, in, inherent human guilt for yeah. sin. And may, maybe there's another aspect I want to drill down on here, and I don't know if you've got this in your Go notes, ahead. but um, in, in this tribalistic thinking, this Marxist thinking, the only reason some people would be better off or worse off is because of the actions of other people upon them. Yeah, there's always right, someone so, to blame. So if you if you're a Gazan and you live in a tiny parcel of land and there's two million of you and you don't have enough resources, it's not because of anything you or your parents or your grandparents did. It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. Right. There's no there's no actual analysis about, well, maybe their culture made some really poor decisions yeah. in the last hundred years yeah. and it's led them to this. Yeah. That, Obviously, there's no simple answers to that. It's not just one cause, but there's no there's no introspection there. It has to be because of uh, outside forces. Well, this is Genesis three. This is the response to to sin 
you know, if the if the oppressed are never really sinful, if you can't be capable of sin, you have to have several mechanisms to persuade yourself of this, mm-hmm. and one of them is blame. And there's the there's there becomes a um a pathological aversion to responsibility, like and a pathological givenness to blaming others. And this is what you see of all the all the Antifa, you know, black mask protesters. It's like they're not responsible for anything and everyone else is to blame. And uh yeah, you see the same thing overseas. If it's if it's just oppressed and oppressors and the oppressed are never guilty, they're going to be characterized by blame, yep. by hiding, by covering. And we see this in our our own policy here, yeah. even even in our own city, right? The reason why there are people living in a tent ghetto downtown. We have yes, a, we have yes, a ghetto yes. in Peterborough, by the way. This is yeah, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a literal ghetto in mm-hmm. our town, mm-hmm. and the only reason those people are there is because of society working its pressure on them. Mm-hmm. They've been whatever they they had a poor childhood or what the, there's there's no there's no responsibility on them for where they are now yeah it's a reductionist narrative where the people are either people are victims and if they're victims yeah. they can do no wrong and they're not responsible and in some any people way. genuinely genuinely are victims that's of course. that's the 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 insidious nature of this yeah. is um a lot of, I, I find for myself that uh it, it tends to callous me towards people's actual victimhood Mm-hmm. Because you're, you, you know, you're constantly bucking against this trend to, to have oppressor and oppressed, uh, and you don't. We don't think like that. But what that does is it, it hardens us to the fact that there are actually really a lot of victims out there. And again, we're not excusing any of their behavior because they're victims, but it hardens us to that. Well, of course, and we are called to give voice to the voiceless and to advocate the, for those who are oppressed and those who can't advocate for themselves. So there are people who are victims. There are people who are oppressed, and we have a duty to know who they are. What we're saying is that one of the part of the tactics of Satan and sinful humanity is to identify themselves as victims mm-hmm. in order to get out of our guilt and to justify any wickedness we want to commit. So yeah, we need to guard against the callousness of rejecting that there are victims or being callous towards genuine victims, for sure. Um, the other biblical principle is uh, retributive justice. This is, you know, Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting, not interesting, but in the last, I don't know, couple decades, there's been a move in the North American evangelical church to move away from retributive justice, to, yeah. to talk about things like restorative justice. Harm management or harm reduction. This type of thing. Yeah. And this is just the result of a guilty conscience that doesn't want to face the fact that apart from Christ, you are guilty and you're condemned. And when you don't have the gospel, you don't have a means of dealing with your guilt, of having atonement made for your guilt. You have to deny it. You have to lie about it. You have to blame other people kind of thing. But retributive just the irony of this is that um, it actually ends up being very dehumanizing. So the narrative is, uh, retributive justice, an eye for an eye type of thing, is inhumane. But it's the opposite. It's mm-hmm. it's literally the upholding of human dignity. Yeah. That's the logic of this verse. If you shed the blood of man, 
man will shed your blood. When the, the reason for that is not because they're really angry or you're a piece of dirt. It's because God made man in his own image. Yeah. So when you do an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, when you do a life for a life, you're doing that to uphold the value of the victim. That's right. That's what you're doing. That is the logic of that text. So um, we need to uphold this principle as Christians and unapologetically, not because we're callous and we're, um, we're you know, uh, taking vengeance. Yeah. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. No, yeah. no, no, no. This is about upholding the worth of that person. And once you let go of that as a culture, like we let go of the death penalty, we're not allowed to have self-defense, you don't end up as a more humane, you know, uh, dignity-protecting culture. You end up as a callous, inhumane culture. And and you get more of the thing you're trying to prevent. Yes. You get more murder, you get more injustice. Yeah. Um, And so one of the ways we maintain this principle, an eye for an eye is not um, a, a head for a fingernail. No, that's you, well. That's what it is. It's it's a restraint on the retribution, so yes. that the retribution is not more yes. than required. Yes, and apart from Christ, and um, this is just this does not happen. This mm-hmm. is not human nature to be proportionate in our response. Yeah. Human nature is to be scorched earth. You yeah. heard me. I'm going to destroy you in four generations. You send one of yours to the hospital. You send one of theirs to the morgue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that just is human nature because yeah. we are not righteous, but God is righteous. And built into his law is his principle that our response should be proportionate. So um, the, uh, the taking away of capital punishment in our culture um, is actually a claim by our culture that we are more righteous than and just than God. Yeah. And more loving. Yeah. Uh, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But it's almost like, oh, we've moved past that now. It's like, have we? Yeah. I mean, the, God prescribed that for a reason. Yeah. Are you saying he's unjust or yeah. not loving to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the ways that this goes you mentioned before is the tactic of false equivalence. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing this all over right now. You heard this in these parades and um, let's just say that, that Israel is an occupier. Like what even is that? Like, even if they took your land, they took your land. You know what I mean? Like, how do you think we establish borders? Now, if you want to get into a conversation about the morality of war and what's a just war, that's fine, but this this whole like anti-colonial, anti-occupier thing is so strange to me. It's like, yeah. how do you think anyone gets anywhere? Yeah, well, and it's only attributed <laughs> to the one side. Like, you guys remember when the Muslims took over a bunch of Europe? Yeah, like you didn't like they're, you, they're occupiers too. You didn't sprout out of <laughs> yeah. the ground. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm and I'm not saying that therefore all invasions and all war and conflict is justified. I'm not that's not the point I'm making. I'm just, it's just a strange thing to say, but mm. let's just grant that there's some validity to their grievance that Israel came and took their land and displaced them kind of thing. Um, That's not the same as them coming in and slaughtering civilians intentionally, like just trying to kill your children and just trying to yeah. kill your women. And actually Sam Harris said something I actually agreed with. He said about this crazy moral equivalence argument between Hamas and Israel, the side that uses human shields is not the same as the side that doesn't. Yeah. And that's not his, that's not, and the people who use human shields are telling you that. 
Because yeah. they're saying that we're using human shields because we know something about those guys. We know that in some way, this will be a deterrent. Now, if you want to point to some Israeli bombs and some soldiers who have killed Palestinians. Well, I'm sure you'll be able to find something. There's uh, plenty, it's, yeah. there's human beings involved. Yes. There's all sorts of wickedness. But it is not, yeah. but the reason that Hamas uses human shields is because yeah. it does mean something to yeah. Israel. And, and look, in, in, in war, people do bad things, okay? And that's not to relativize it. But it isn't true that the people who come over the border to indiscriminately slaughter families and burn people alive and behead children are the same as as the other side that doesn't use human shields. Yeah. It's a false equivalence. And what you're saying is... And that, and that there's partying in the streets when that happens. Yeah. Tells you something about the, the culture. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like um, Israel would acknowledge that you shouldn't kill civilians. Like that's their standard. They wouldn't parade that babies were murdered. That's not done. And have okay? a parade. And have yeah. a parade about it. And all the cities across Canada parade when when a Palestinian child dies. That doesn't happen. And no one's ever seen that. But you see that when the Palestinians do it. Because there's this more, this, and then people come up and say, well, Israel's, no, 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 no. Israel is, has may have done wrong. We can discuss yeah. this. But these are not two of the same things. Yeah. And your point is, even if we grant your premises, which we don't, yeah, you should still be operating according to biblical principles. Yeah, and the and and you know chopping a baby's head off. Yeah, because you say they took your land. Yes, that's not a moral equivalent. That's not an eye for an eye. That's, no, like you said, a head for a toenail. Yeah, and when you see this is built into the law that the severity of the consequence is proportionate to the crime. So sometimes and the, chi- and, the and the father will not pay for the sins of the child, and the child will not pay for the sins of the father. Yeah. But when there's, they don't treat murder the same as they treat even even unintentional murder, manslaughter, right? Mm-hmm. There's provisions that acknowledge that this is not the same thing. Yeah. To actually say that this is this is not a sign of moral um, clarity or um, superiority. Superiority. Uh, it's actually a sign of a moral defect in you when you think killing babies and celebrating it. Not as not as a byproduct of what you're trying to do, but like that's the thing you want to do. Yeah. When you treat that as the same as this over here, you're completely morally defective. And um, you know, we need to we need to reject that. And part of loving what is good and hating what is evil is developing a conscience that has a sense of proportion. Yeah. That we feel in our bones. When something is vile and wicked, we feel that it is wicked, and when some and we can tell the difference between severity and things. And look, so how do we cultivate that? Obviously, we need to read scripture. Well, we that, need to know God's law, right? Yeah. Um, I think confessing your sin and your in your callousness and your refusal to do that, and not cultivating the base fleshly desires that we just dis- discussed, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the hatred for people, um, the toleration of wickedness, if it's your team kind of thing, the double standards that we use when you see any things and you, you need to reject them yeah. like outright right away and not give, not give life to these horrible impulses. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people don't want to do that because they know they're going to get identified with one side or the other. Yeah. Right. Because we know as soon as you say, well, hold on now, hold on. Then both, both sides are probably going to say, oh, so you're with them. But that's and, a tribal ethic. Yeah. And that's just something we have to be willing to, 
to take. If yeah. if that's the slander of of slowing down, uh, understanding a situation and trying to filter things through through God's perspective, then that's that's what we got to do. And and practically in this scenario, it's like I. Israel absolutely has every right to defend itself as a sovereign nation, and they need to absolutely destroy Hamas and wipe them off the face of the earth. But they also ought not to engage in the same kind of um, indiscriminate indiscriminate wickedness that Hamas engaged in and not justify it because they're wicked. You know, like a six-year-old, a four-year-old Palestinian girl is not the same person who stormed into your village. And you need to take that into account. Yep. And look, in closing, the only answer to all of this is to be born again. Like apart from the new birth, apart from Christ, there's no there's no simply the letter of the law won't do. Mm. We need the spirit. You know, we need the law written on our hearts. And um but I do think Christians need to be prepared in the days ahead as we get more and more crises and we descend into more and more chaos to speak clearly on these um Issues. Yeah, and this is this is really going to come into play because of there's so much obfuscation online on Twitter yeah. on YouTube that many people are being drawn towards certain things that they ought not to be drawn towards. Oh right? yeah, there's there's um, just people apologizing for every type of movement now. And yeah. when I say apologizing, I mean um, you know arguing for those things. Yeah, um, not saying sorry, but uh, people apologizing for. All sorts of atrocities, yeah. Because because things are confusing right now, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to make sense of it. But it's like we gotta, I guess, just just don't listen to to much of what you hear online. I mean, to be honest, just well, and resist <clears throat> the temptation to be tribal yourself. To, right. You need to know the scripture, and you need to stand where scripture stands. And if you find that the mob is not in the same place, well, that could be very likely because scripture tells us, and history bears out. That often, when the people are far from God, their their collective conscience is not in the right place. Mm-hmm. And you also need to be willing to bear the reproach of standing for righteousness. It's like, look, I'm when it becomes a zero sum game, like you can't criticize Israel unless or you're supporting Hamas. It's like we reject that outright. Yep. You know. Yep. That's it. What else you got there? More notes? No, that's good, man. That's good? That's, that's all, right. all I wanted to say. <laughs> that's all we wanted to say. Well, that's a short one. I mean, it, we, we kind of have somewhere to be, but uh, but uh, this is good. This has been a really good one. What do we got coming up? Um, there's some exciting announcements uh, dropped this week. Yeah, we announced our um, first Lord Willing annual conference coming up in February. Dominion Press is putting that on. We have our brothers and friends. Um, Pastor Aaron Rock is coming to speak, and Pastor Jacob Rayom, and Pastor Nate Wright. Nice. And uh, Pastor Ben Inglis, a fan favorite on the show. We love Pastor Ben. Yeah, he's going to be there. He's good people. He's good people, as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, so it'll be the four of them. Um, the, sorry, the date was? February 8th to 10th. February 8th to 10th. In Peterborough. In the cold dead of winter, where else would you want to be than Ma'am? having warm fellowship yeah, with brothers it, and sisters? It's going to separate the boys from the men, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, well, tell me a bit, though. I mean, what do you want this con- uh, the conference to be like? I know there's every, everybody and their dog has a conference. Yeah. Uh, West Mountain Hill City, we have our conference this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What's what? What do we want this to be? Is this just a rah rah session or something else or what? No, I was. I mean, my thought is, um, I want it to be a tip of the spear conference. So I want it to be very practically helpful in equipping people to build in their families, in their businesses, in their churches, in their cities, wherever they are. Um, I don't go to conferences mainly because I feel like I can listen to them online. Yeah. And it's usually the conference circuit and they all say the same things. I've heard them say everywhere. But I'm hopeful that this will be the kind of gathering that's small enough that we can have meaningful fellowship with one another. I want to get some after event events going on um, for the people that travel here. We've got people coming from out of town and... I'm hopeful that it's a connecting point. So yeah. it's not just you come and sit in your seat and you listen to the things you could catch later. It's that you're coming here to actually connect face-to-face with brothers and sisters and to sing together, to pray together, to eat together, to listen together, and hopefully help one another. Yeah. Because, look, there's not a lot of us. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do. There's worship to offer and work to do. And so I'm I'm hoping to that end that it's a it's a tip of the spear kind of thing. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Even uh, you know, even if I'm out of town, I'll catch it later on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna do a the plans to do a live podcast from there. Right? Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll 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 figure something out. It'll be fantastic. Maybe we can have like rotating guests on. Yeah, you know, just uh, sit them down for ten minutes, ask them ten questions, and then move on to the next guy. Yep. But uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that for this week. Thanks again for joining us. I'm going to leave you this from Psalm 5. You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. We'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast. See you.